what's going on everyone thank you for joining us for another episode of our podcast i'm les and i'm mo and this is the les and mo show what's going on everyone this is episode seven I literally cannot believe that this is episode seven. Can you believe that? No, it's flying. This is, yeah, this is going by so quick, but I hope you guys have been having a good week. And as always, we are always um, excited to hear from you guys about anything you want to comment about each episode, but we really want to hear some ideas for cases that you want us to cover. We want to bring you content that you want to hear. So please, please message us or just comment and tell us what you want to hear from us and we'll do our best to bring you a good episode about that. Yeah. And I just want to talk about the last two weeks, actually. I don't know if you, if all of you knew, we were actually in Hawaii for the last two weeks. Yes. So the, the past two episodes we were uploading from Hawaii and I actually, <laughs> we had a, we had a, an error on one of the episodes and I, yeah. I do apologize. It was like a 30 second delay. And yeah. So that was hey. funny because we were, we took our honeymoon and we went out there and it was crazy to just even upload yeah episodes for a podcast when you're on your honeymoon so. yeah we were <laughs> trying not to think about it too much but the show goes on and that's totally fine while we were there we even found out about the case of the honolulu strangler i hope you guys have mm-hmm. listened to that episode because it was baffling to say the least so but hawaii's beautiful man yeah if you it get is. a chance to go go don't walk run it's <laughs> unbelievably amazing so yeah yeah but let's jump into today's case yeah so today we are talking about a heartbreaking case that is still unresolved this this case is i've never seen anything like this and it honestly bothers me a lot yeah um we're discussing the murder of college student pravin verghese it'll definitely get you in your feels here yeah, and there's a little bit of a connection here to the story. So Praveen was an Indian-American man who was born in 1994 in Evanston, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. And, you know, his family was really close. He was born into a really close family. They were tight-knit. And uh, his mother, Lovely, uh, she she absolutely loved Praveen. Um, his father's name was Matthew, and then he had two sisters named Preeti and Priya. And, you know, from all accounts, he was a great kid growing up um, and would turn out to be a great young man. And everyone that knew him would speak highly of him. You know, he was he was fun. He was happy. And he just he just loved life. He was a great kid, like to say the least, a young man, a man. But yeah, it's heartbreaking what happened to this kid. But you said that there was a connection. So how Mm -hmm. how is that? Yeah. So. I actually knew of Pravin. Um, we weren't necessarily friends, but we went to school together. He was a year older than me, um, and we actually went to junior high and high school together. So I knew wow. of him. Uh, you, see, you know, when you see someone every day when you're in school, you know, you see your friends every day, you see yeah. people in school every day. So I recognized him like right away. I would never forget that face, basically, you know. Yeah. 
And um, since this is, you know, a case that has a lot to do with Chicago, it didn't happen in Chicago, but, you know, he was from here. He was from Chicago. It's yeah. a big deal for us because it, it hits close to home because we're also located in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So this is something we definitely wanted to cover and bring even more um like attention to just because it's, it's a crazy case yes guys. it's a crazy case it's heartbreaking but it deserves to be told yeah so moving on with Pravin, you know he was he was highly motivated to get a good education and he even wanted to be a police officer after college yeah and he wanted to be an fbi agent after that like what goals you know yeah. to aspire to and he was uh, eventually, after high school, accepted into SIUC, which stands for Southern Illinois University of Carbondale, um, and he studied criminal justice. Yeah, and so. Carbondale is what, like six, seven hours from here? Yeah. Yeah, that's where my family's, my dad's side of the family is from, and we still have family living in the area to this day, so there was another, <clears throat> excuse me, another connection because of that, so... Yeah, it's a southern region of Illinois. It's um, kind of close to the borderline of Louis. Kentucky. Um, yeah, and it's about two hours south of St. Louis. Yeah. Oh, it's past St. Louis, right? Yeah, it's southern. Yeah. So <clears throat> after high school, you know, he would enroll into the school and he would get there. Praveen would eventually move into an apartment off campus with his cousin Ashley um, and, and another friend. So they would attend school there. And at 19 years old, he seemed to be doing pretty well for himself, right? He made a lot of new friends. He was doing good in school. He was going to parties. And, you know, he was basically an adult, but he was he was exploring this new life after yeah. school. After living with your parents your whole life, it's all brand new, you know, at that point. Because just imagine the first time you moved out and you weren't under so your true. parents roof anymore and you could make your own decisions you had to make yeah. your own decisions plus he was getting his education on top of it so there's a whole load of responsibility to that and you're really finding your way as you transition into adulthood so you know it's I, i'm very happy that he was doing so good for himself and he was you know doing very very well with these transition and new stages of life so, so on February 12, 2014, everything would change for Pravin and his family. Yeah, so Pravin called his family back home in Chicago around 9 p.m. on February 12th. And that was the usual time that he would call his family to talk to them. And it was every night that he did this. So he spoke with them for a little while that night. And then he decided to go to a party. Afterwards, he would arrive at the party and meet up with friends there, and he was there for a little while before he decided to head out. Um, It's unclear where he was going and whether he had decided that he was going to go home or if he was going to go somewhere else, but wherever he was going, he decided to get a ride with fellow SIUC student Gage Bethune. Friends of Bethune, or I'm sorry, friends of Praveen would report that Gage was kind of an acquaintance, but not really. He was somebody new in Praveen's life. Um, He had seen that Gage was leaving from a different party on the same street, so he decided to kind of hitch a ride with him. It's kind of undetermined, though, why Praveen would have caught 
a ride with Gage when they didn't really even know each other. So mm-hmm. during their ride, Gage, he claims that Praveen was talking on the phone with somebody or multiple people about cocaine and how to get some. And he also claimed that Praveen was belligerent and that really began to scare him and make him uneasy. Gage, you know, he said that Praveen eventually attacked him and tried to rob him. So he pulled his truck over on what's known as Route 13 that goes throughout Carbondale. Um, And it's once you pass through the town of Carbondale and you start heading to the next town over, it's kind of a wooded area. And there's basically Route 13 and then to the right is the woods and then past the woods you come to a Buffalo Wild Wings. So in between Route 13 and Buffalo Wild Wings is where he kind of pulled over. So the two kind of got into it. They scuffled back and forth and eventually they tumbled down the slope that was leaning into the woods from the road and Gage would be the last person to see Praveen alive. At around 12 a.m., an Illinois state trooper saw Gage's truck pulled over with with the hazard lights on, and he was on the south, the excuse me, the side of Route 13. So the state trooper pulled over behind Gage's truck, and on the dashboard cam, he would see on the camera you can see Gage coming out of the woods, walking towards the officer and approaching him. Gage would go on to tell the state trooper that he was attacked and robbed by an African-American male who was hitchhiking and that he supposedly ran into the woods after the attack. So, after learning about the altercation between Gage and this other man, the state trooper did a quick perimeter check of the woods tree line by shining his flashlight in that direction for a short amount of time and he never proceeded to you know, go further deep into the woods. He didn't want to go in, which I think is crazy. Cause yeah. when you see the dash cam footage, yeah, like bro, he didn't do anything. He literally stood in the same spot the whole time. Yeah. Right. Shine his, his flashlight, like real quick, like, you know, right to left mm-hmm. and turn around. It's not like he went a little bit closer to the tree yeah. line. Like he walked over, he was in the camera frame the yeah. whole time. He was still on the shoulder of the road. He didn't even go down the slope, like into the grass. He you know was what? Still on if the I was in his position, if someone told me that, hey, they just someone just tried, someone just attacked me and they just tried to rob me, and now they ran into the woods, I would call backup. Yeah. And go into the woods and start looking for this guy. Cause what if he does it to someone else? No kidding. Like he could be a dangerous person. You know, he just robbed this guy and assaulted him, but you're not going to do anything. And honestly, like, why wouldn't you just call for backup? Like, like I said before, it's the road, a patch of woods, and then a Buffalo Wild Wings. So there's really like, you can see the lights to Buffalo Wild Wings from the woods. So it's not like there'd be that big of an area to scour, you know? So that's kind of annoying. What I also want to say is that this um, state trooper did not file a report of this incident. No. He didn't report it. So he would uh, he would obviously let Gage go on his way after taking a brief statement, and that's it. Um, Gage would continue his night as normal, and he would actually end up hitting up a uh, underage female friend uh, not too long after this. So he would he would hit up his friend, and they would go meet up. And she said that Gage, when he picked her up, he was all over the place. He was at he was he looked drunk, and he was even offering her coke. And that basically she was 
scared because of the way he was acting. So. And what's really messed up about this part is that the female was 16 years old. Yes. And he was a college student, like in his, he had to have been in his she like sophomore underage. year. So she was an underage woman or underage child. And he's offering her Coke. He's drunk picking her up. He's texting her in the middle of the night. Like, what are you doing? Obviously, you're not this great guy. Like, you're sketchy. But by the next day on February 13th, Praveen's cousin Ashley had noticed that Praveen's door to his bedroom was closed and locked. So Ashley just kind of assumed that he had gotten up and gone to class already. But after a while, Praveen's friends even noticed that he wasn't in, in any of his classes. And they kind of started contacting each other to check in and see if they had seen Praveen. And nobody had. So they contacted Ashley as well, who still at that point hadn't heard from Praveen or seen him. So he went back to their apartment and he figured out that Praveen's door was still locked and no one was answering. So they started to call Praveen's phone and there were no answers. And then eventually the phone just went straight to voicemail. So Ashley would get in contact with the landlord of their apartment and the landlord came and actually opened Praveen's bedroom door and he wasn't there. So around 9 p.m. that evening, Praveen's mom, Lovely, received a call that she thought would be Praveen checking in, but unfortunately, it was the Carbondale Police Department calling to inquire if Praveen had come home. Um, Lovely knew that Praveen would never just leave school without telling her, and he wouldn't just come home unannounced, especially during a school week. She totally, like got upset and started freaking out because where is her son? You know, mm -hmm. what if they don't know where he's at and she hasn't heard from him, then what could have happened? So she asked the officer what was wrong, and that's when she found out that Praveen was missing and nobody could lo locate him. So lovely um, Praveen's father, Matthew, and his two sisters would go to Carbondale and actually try to start looking for him and get involved with the search effort for Praveen. Yeah, I will say one thing that he had, you know, great friends and family because they, yeah. they knew something was wrong right away. They just knew it was out of character for him to not be punctual yeah. in his class and not hitting up his friends and family. They knew something was wrong. Absolutely. Upon arrival in Carbondale, Praveen's family would start their own investigation with Praveen's cousins and his friends. So Ashley is uh, Pravin's cousin that mm -hmm. he had originally gotten the apartment with. So they pieced together, you know, the last whereabouts, what he did that night, and they discovered that Pravin had been out at a party. So after Pravin's family learned about what happened the night before, they went to the police and filed a report. And, you know, they offered rewards for anyone who had information about what had happened. And the community really started rallying around the Verghese family, especially their family up in Chicago. Um, they would, you know, come to Carbondale and basically buses yeah. looking for him um, in efforts. And so around this time is when a cousin of Gage Bethune's would contact Carbondale police to report that he and Gage had been hanging out when Gage made a comment that, you know, he knew Pravin and that he had been in the truck with him that night he went missing. So then Gage, the, the police would bring in Gage for questioning and uh, he actually voluntarily went 
Yeah, and it was um, quite the conversation that he had with police because it was drastically different than the conversation he had with the state trooper who pulled him yeah. over the night that he and Praveen went into the woods. So he would say that, yes, he gave Praveen the ride and that Praveen was on the phone the whole time looking for drugs. He would have Gage drive around for over 30 minutes, giving him different directions like go left, go right, you know, all this different stuff. But he never took Gage to like his destination. So when police told Gage that they actually had his phone records and there were no calls made at that in that chunk of time. So Gage responded with, well, he could have been acting like he was on the phone, but he was talking. And he made a hand gesture that he was talking on the phone. An incoming text from Praveen's phone showed one message that night. And the text was from an anonymous person who stated that they had drugs if Praveen needed any. Praveen did not respond to that text. Later that night, though, Praveen's phone showed two outgoing messages asking, got yay and got two G's. And basically, yay is like a street term for cocaine for those who don't know. And two G's just basically means like two grams. So he was asking if he had two grams of cocaine. Um, they did not release the names of who these people were that were texting him and he was texting so we don't know who that was. But although these texts were found, lovely Praveen's mother says there's one problem with all of this. She never knew of her son having anything to do with drugs, let alone drug dealing. She had never even seen her son drunk at this point. She even searched through thousands and thousands of Praveen's text messages, and there was literally not a single text of him mentioning drugs prior to that night the only time it ever was mentioned was literally that night when he was with Bethune wow so you're telling me that this kid who has literally zero history with drugs that we know of or alcohol before college is all of a sudden just searching for coke and two grams specifically that night, like something I didn't fishy. think about this earlier. Yeah, yeah, something fishy I mean, is up with that. I I think, I think someone else texted that, and it could have been Gage. I wouldn't doubt it at all if that was the or case. Some or one of his friends, depending on what time it went out. Yeah, I I don't know. That's like so sketchy to me. Like maybe he felt forced by Gage to make those oh, texts it, it could have been like hey you're in my car like do you know you do you know anyone that has this stuff and maybe he texted just to help this guy out yeah or a situation a like if you don't help me find this you're gonna have to get out of the car and they're on the, the side of route 13 in the yeah. middle of february so yeah Ooh. super sketchy yeah next Bethune would tell police that after driving for so long he finally told Pravin that he had to go home but Pravin, and I quote, wouldn't cooperate. And that's when he and Pravin started to rage a little bit. He would swing and punch me in the eye. And that's when I pulled over on the side of the road. And there was no bruises on this guy. I don't believe so, at least. Well, on Gage. On Gage yeah. There's literally, like, everywhere I looked, like, people don't talk about him. Because why would you? You know what I mean? Like, they, it should be more in-depth with it when it comes to him and his injuries. But I had a hard time finding that. But if you look... 
at the dash cam footage, he doesn't look like somebody who just got roughed up. Like, it's not like he's bleeding from his nose. It's not like the officer's like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Like, are you okay? You know, Mm -hmm. there was no medical attention needed for him. So, yeah, that's what I have to think about it. (laughs) And then he also mentioned that Praveen eventually got got out of the truck and the two would start grappling and fighting on the side of the road. And they would eventually end up rolling down the embankment to the side of the highway and into the woods, basically. Gage would admit hitting Praveen square in the face. That was in quote. And that was his first punch, he said. That was the only punch he threw. And the fight lasted for about 30 seconds. And what he said, it wasn't really a fight at all. It was more like a scuffle. During this altercation, an unintentional phone call was made from Praveen's phone. The phone call would go to one of his female friends who stated to police she heard another man, another male's voice saying, give me that back, with Praveen answering, I'm trying to help you, and give me my pills back. She also heard what sounded like someone running before she hung up the call. When questioned about these phrases, Gage stated that he didn't know of these being exchanged that night. I mean, this guy... Liar. I mean, he changed his story. That's like the first mistake he made he told the state trooper something else and now he's saying something completely different yeah and like if you like just watch the interrogation videos he looks irritated he looks fidgety he looks like he's trying to like think on his feet when they ask him certain questions especially when they were like yo bro we just went through his cell phone records and he wasn't on the phone when you said he was on the phone and he's like oh well i mean he could have been acting like he was on the phone what the hell who does that So, no, Gage, he's full of shit. Friends of Gage would tell the police that Gage would talk to them about the incident. So, this prompted a second interview with the police. Upon this interview, Gage would state that he didn't know the kid was missing, and he basically told his friends the story because he didn't want to sound scared. The interview would also lead to Gage stating that Praveen was scared and jumped out of the car and started running. That's when Gage admitted he chased him and hit him. I turned around, hit him in the face, and knocked him out, is what he told the friend. However, he would tell the interviewer it was all just a story to sound like Mr. Tough Guy. That Praveen only ran into the woods right before the state trooper arrived on the scene. None of these stories seemed to match up with one another. Yeah, that's he's literally told three different officers, three different... three. Stories that have differences. I'll say that. I wouldn't say he said, oh, like, you know, I didn't have him in the car. Oh, I did have him in the car. Oh, blah, blah, blah. He told them, okay, yeah, I hit him. Yeah, we scuffled. Yeah, you know, he ran into the woods. But every time he's saying little details like differently. Mm -hmm. So sketchy. This would give the police and Praveen's family an idea of where to start searching, though. Unfortunately, about 400 yards from where Gage's truck was stopped on Route 13, Praveen was found dead in the woods. The police went to the hotel where Praveen's family was staying and notified them of the discovery of Praveen's body. The hotel was located just down the street from the crime scene, guys. You could even see where all of it happened from the upper floors of the hotel. So his family 
somehow yards this away. all worked out. Yeah, that they were wa- yards away. So they they were very close to Praveen. And one thing that stood out to me is Lovely had a dream before they found Praveen's body. Okay, and she had a dream that. Praveen was in a car and then the car was driving and all of a sudden he was pushed out of a moving car. And in Indian culture, they say if you have an early morning dream, it comes true. So ironic, you know, that like what what a coincidence for all of that to happen. She knew something was wrong with her baby and she she knew from the jump something had happened to him that was out of his control. So Lovely, like any other mother, asked to see her son. And when she saw Praveen's body, she knew something horrible had happened to him because she was a trained nurse and she saw all of these injuries on his body. She saw bruises on his head. She saw bruises on his arm. There were scratches all over his body. You know, he he was injured very very injured multiple places so she asked obviously who beat my baby she saw all of that and the coroner would tell her that they were consistent injuries with post-mortem discoloration what the hell so they just kind of he kind of blew it off but it's the Carbondale police chief at the time Jody O'Gwen who really just dropped the ball here because he stated in a press conference that there were there was no injury believed to be caused by an altercation or any suspicious means when the autopsy was released it stated that Praveen had succumbed to hypothermia and that there were no injuries lovely didn't believe that for a second and she knew from her medical training that there were in fact injuries to her son she she just knew it you know she she's how could her eyes have deceived her you know but the autopsy would also claim um any injuries were just from being in the wooded area and that there was no blunt force trauma reported if you look at the pictures from you know when they found his body and Mm -hmm. some of the pictures from the autopsy any normal person would be able to tell that he didn't just freeze to death yeah i mean this guy had bruises and scratches everywhere his face was beat up it was dented in like his face his face was beat up you know i watch a lot of ufc Mm -hmm. i know what it looks like when someone gets punched in the face yeah repeatedly not once but repeatedly the autopsy had a lot of mistakes and they had at one point praveen listed as a middle eastern male and he's he's indian yeah and it even had him listed as a female at one point. Like what? So there's obviously a lot of mishandling going on with this case from the get-go. Like, it is not being handled properly at mm-hmm. all. These guys are not being proactive from when that first state trooper saw him. He didn't give a shit. He didn't want to go into the woods. And now these guys are doing all this shit. So Praveen's toxicology report actually came back negative. And they had tested him for every drug. And Lovely knew her son would come back negative. But she wasn't sure about alcohol. The funeral director who was presiding over Praveen's funeral would contact Lovely and tell her, You need to see your son. He has injuries. His body wasn't 
the body of a frostbitten person. She and the family were unsatisfied with the cause of death being hypothermia, and she demanded a second autopsy with a third-party coroner. The coroner would report, and um, it was drastically different, and the underlying cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head, and at least three other injuries. A defensive injury to the right arm, he would also state that the immediate and underlying cause of death was undetermined and should result in further investigation. So I wanted to point out here too that the underlying cause of death, let's just look at it in this scenario, okay? Say you're trapped in a burning house because someone trapped you there, all right? You're most likely going to die from smoke inhalation or you're going to die from burning, asphyxiation, but your manner, that's your manner of death, but the reason that you died is because somebody put you in that situation so they're saying that the underlying cause of death is blunt force trauma but it's undetermined what the immediate cause of death was so they're Mm -hmm. still looking into that and that's why he's saying okay there needs to be a further investigation done it is at this point that justice for praveen was demanded by his family and advocates but a grand jury would deny the request to indict him. So the family decided to open a lawsuit against the city of Carbondale, their police department, and Gage Bethune. So wild. Right. So they're ready. You know, they're ready for the fight of their lives to I mean, prove their being, baby was yeah, murdered. They're being, that's being mistreated. Like how? Yes. Mishandled <sighs> from the jump. But lots of people began to speculate and talk and say that, you know, the family's only doing this for money. You know, they're only doing this to get money out of the situation. But they knew in their hearts that they were doing this for justice. And Lovely even stated in an interview that no amount of money could bring back her son. So the response to the lawsuit basically came down to the police chief, Jody O'Gwen, at the time being fired. He was the one who made the initial statements about it just being hypothermia and there being no injuries to Praveen's body. Even though the department stated it had nothing to do with the case, it really had. Um, It had been three years of fighting for justice at this time when the family would drop the lawsuit against the city and police department, but they settled with Gage Bethune. We can't discuss, or they can't discuss, yeah. the what they settled with um, at the end of it all because it's got to be kept confidential due to the court's ruling on that. So, however, a new special prosecutor would bring the case before a new grand jury, and this time around, the grand jury would come back with the charge of first-degree murder. So, Gage was arrested, but eventually he was bailed out on a $100,000 bail. So he got to be free as he awaited trial. Man, what a shit show. What a shit show. And that doesn't I feel yeah, bad. It I, doesn't surprise me though. It's Carbondale. Like they're small and they don't deal with this kind of stuff ever. So and just the Well, this is not the first murder in at SIUC. Like no. I think there was a have been a few. Yeah, but they uh, it's small town politics, man. It's just different you know and it's it's shady politics and shady police all over the country not just here but yeah it's a wild situation 
So the trial would prove to be actually another heartbreaking situation. Although Gage was found guilty of first-degree murder by a jury, the judge threw out the sentencing on a technical wording error in the indictment documents. And the indictment documents had been drafted up previously before this trial even happened. So it's amazing to me that the judge even used this stuff like against them. Oh, and can I just say this happened on the day of sentencing so yeah the jury found him guilty right so and then the next date was set for his sentencing the mm-hmm. day he would they were supposed to determine how long he was going to go to jail for the judge pulled this out yes and the issue was over this word knowingly and basically it was saying that gage no, like knew that by him hitting him he would render him unable to get out of the frigid cold and you know he basically knew that he was causing his death so he you know said hey that's going to confuse the jury so i'm throwing it out and that he was facing 20 years or more in prison when this judge threw this crap out like what the yeah. hell so I, I just want to kind of explain that a little bit better so basically the word knowingly in the indictment the judge what he's saying is that that word knowingly in the in the indictment makes it seem like gage did everything intentionally and that word could have confused the jury and steered them into the direction of a you know a guilty verdict yeah so he's he's saying that that was basically unfair to gauge and that there has to be a whole new trial bro like that is insane yeah the judge did offer um to you know do a, a retrial but After seven years, it has yet to begin, and Gage has yet to be put behind bars. Um, The state hasn't even started or set a date date. for a new trial. So He could be set on a new trial. The key word here, could. could. What does that even mean? So what, do they have to go to a whole new grand jury? And what's messed up to me is um, Gage got that lawyer bloomberg or berg something and he's like a nationally known lawyer yes, you know he I believe takes he was a lawyer for like r kelly r kelly yeah. yeah so what the hell gage bethune just got this freaking powerhouse of an attorney that yeah. works for the most so shady people that's what happened is like that day of the trial gage showed up with this he showed up with this new lawyer yep and he showed up in street clothes. Yeah. He didn't even have, you know, like a normal whatever Jump prison jumpsuit. Or... No shackles. He walked in and Praveen's mom, like they knew something was wrong because they wouldn't do that. Why is uh, someone who was just found guilty of a crime showing up in street clothes? Like, yeah. So, you know, that what a turnaround that could have been. Like, I just I can't believe it. Yeah. Man. People even said what's the craziest to me is people said about the judge, like he was very fair and thorough leading up to that point. But everybody was so shell shocked at what happened because they were like, Well, he's done a good job until now, so what the heck? Like, why is he turning why are you throwing this out over a word and an indictment document that was presented before the trial so they went through all of this and the judge even said look you we have enough evidence against you that we know you're guilty yeah you so know what it, are you it, doing it doesn't change the fact that they have concrete evidence they yes. have dash cam footage of him at the scene of the crime 
they have him saying that he hit the guy square in the face the night he went missing. Yeah. Where he went missing. You know, it doesn't get any crazier than this. No. There's obviously something going on in the background that not everyone knows. And it's causing so much trouble with this case. And it's two Sundays ago, actually, marked the eighth year anniversary of Praveen's passing. And uh, this this memory and story still lives on through his family members. I mean, they've they've done so much with the story. They've started a scholarship foundation for students who want to study in criminal justice. Um, and you know, we, we'll obviously link in the description and in, in for our YouTube channel yeah. for the Facebook page. Please make donations if you can. It yeah. goes to a great great cause. They're celebrating his life every year, though. Yeah. I mean, I see it on Facebook, and such a crazy story, man. Mm-hmm. Just what a roller coaster from, you know, knowing who it was, they they find him guilty, and then just completely let down. Yeah, that's just the true, truly such a heartbreaking thing to happen at the end of all of this because you've literally been proven guilty by a jury of your peers there's enough evidence mm-hmm. against you to say that you are guilty so much that evidence you're walking free yeah unbelievable and that actually brings us to an end of this episode and what a crazy one it was yes please be sure to like this video if you're on youtube The The more you know, the the less less you fear. fear. So tune in next week right back here. here.